family, you're finding the book of John chapter 5. We'll begin to read in verse 1 for a few moments. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, a new life in Christ. A new life in Christ. John chapter 5, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. When John chapter 5, begin to read in verse 1, the Bible says these words. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your Spirit would challenge hearts and speak into lives today. Father, I pray if there's one among us who is sick in sin today. Uh, Lord, they lay broken and where sin has left them. God, I pray that they'll turn and receive Christ's healing on their life today. By faith, they'll rise and stand in a new life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. I pray again, God, for believers who've allowed uh, the life that was once given to them to be now marred and marked by sin. Father, I pray that they'll return unto you this morning and have a fresh, again, reconsecration to Christ's lordship. Father, we, we pray that Lord, anything that the devil could try to do today and anything the devil could try to speak through to distract and God to cause anyone here not to hear the gospel message, God, I pray he'll not be able to do that. God, help us to focus on you and to focus on your word. And God, I simply ask this, whatever your perfect will is, God, for each individual heart and life, oh God, I pray that it will be accomplished today. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. John chapter 5 uh, lists the third um, sign miracle uh, that uh, John lists. And again, the miracles that Christ did uh, were signs. They were to show a deep, just as parables uh, taught an earthly lesson with spiritual truth. The miracles were signs to demonstrate what Christ could do spiritually in someone's life. And friend, I want to remind you, the greatest healing is always spiritual. The physical needs, we have physical needs, um, but the, the spiritual needs in people's lives are always greater. And so Jesus goes to a place where hope only existed in man-made solutions. Here are all these people uh, who are looking for healing in the wrong place. Uh, the Bible details that they're there at this, this place near the pool of Bethesda, and there's sick people there who are waiting for just a superstition, no biblical evidence or truth. Uh, that any angel ever came down and did such a thing, for God doesn't heal that way. We see listed in verse number 4, a man-made tradition. And that's where people's 
hopes were laying. And one man is going to be invited to experience freedom from a state of just existing uh, to be able to step into a place now of experience, real living, that can only be found by the power of God in Jesus Christ. There's three simple truths this morning I want you to see concerning this new life in Jesus Christ. Number one this morning, I want you to notice the doctor. I want you to notice the doctor. Verse 1 says, And this, after this there at the feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So Jesus is in Jerusalem now for a feast, and he is uh, ever on mission, ever moving about, looking for those that he might show God's mercy and show God's kindness. Uh, Luke 19 says, He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And verse number 2 is very interesting. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. And so oftentimes things were named by what exactly they were for. And so this was the sheep gate. And that's because <clears throat> sheep came through the gate. And so here were where the lambs came in for the Old Testament sacrifices. But remember in our study of the book of Colossians, chapter 2 and verse 17, we see, see that feasts and things that God established... They were merely shadows. And so here now was the Lamb of God. It was a fulfillment. John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching and said, there he is, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And now here, God's precious Lamb, who would be our sin substitute, was coming through the very sheep gate where for hundreds of years, lambs had come through uh, in fulfillment of God's call for sacrifice. And so he comes to Bethesda, the house of mercy, to those who really indeed need uh, in such a way that they can't help themselves. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 is, Peter was preaching to the house of Cornelius. He reminded and he spoke to these Gentiles people that Jesus went about healing those who were oppressed. And these were all a demonstration of the greater spiritual need that people had in their lives. Luke 19 and verse 10, Jesus said to himself, I've come to seek and I've come to save that which is lost. And all people needed his healing touch upon their lives. John 10, 10, Jesus says, The thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And that's what people needed. That's why Christ came. And so there were physical needs that people had. But Jesus was always focused more on the spiritual needs that people had in their life. And so the doctor was coming into the house. There were all these people who were laid around this pool, hoping that somebody, there might be a stirring of the water, and they might find themselves down there in the water and somehow be healed. And it was all, it was all superstition. Uh, and we see people trying these same things today, you know, just hoping and hocus-pocus stuff that maybe somehow they're going to find physical healing in their life. And that's where all these people were. They, they had no hope. It reminds me of a story I heard, I read about a woman. She was, she was looking for her keys. And she was really, she was just in a bad, she was in a bad state. She, she, couldn't, she couldn't find her keys. And so she began to search for her keys in her, her purse. And so she began casually just looking for them. All of a sudden, she starts, she starts looking for her keys. Well, she can't find them. And she's been looking for them casually. And now she gets kind of serious about it. She seriously begins to look for her keys. And she's, she's pulling wallets out of the way and other things. And uh, you know, I, I thought I threw that handkerchief away and this bill. And so she starts moving stuff. And now she gets frantic. 
She's trying so hard to find her keys. She, she began just to casually look, then she's serious, and now she's frantically looking. She needs to find her keys. All to discover she was looking in the wrong purse. She never had the right purse that she was looking in. Don't you listen to me? All these people around the pool of Bethesda, they were looking for healing. Some came, friend, and they just began, you know, to look. They were just casual. You know, they've, they've got this problem. They've got a little, little ache in their shoulder. And maybe, maybe they can just make their way into the water. Some had more serious needs. And some were frantic, like this man. We're going to see Jesus demonstrate his power in his life. He needed healing. But here's the problem. While some were casual, while some were serious, while some were frantically looking for healing, they were looking in the wrong place. They were looking for man's touch, and what they needed was God's precious touch upon their life. But good news for them, the doctor was in the house. Jesus had come, friend, and he was going to heal this one man by God's grace in a way that he couldn't heal himself. And I want to tell you something this morning. I want you to listen to me. You may have come here this morning, and there's never been a moment in your life that you've ever repented of your sin and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. Friend, I don't care physically how well you feel. You may be one of these, listen... You, you can just roll in pollen, and it doesn't do anything to you. And to you, I say, hooray for you. I wish I was that way. But you may, listen, you, you may be this person who says, well, I never, <clears throat> I never get sick. I never have aches or pains. My muscles never bother me. Everything. Hooray again for you, I say. But I want you to listen to me, friend. If you've never been born again, you're sin sick today. And I don't care what you, how many leaves you tried to turn over, how many churches you tried to join, how many baptistries, creeks, and ponds, friend, you're baptized in. You're looking in all the wrong places to find spiritual healing. The only spiritual healing that can be found is through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I'm telling you, friend, there's good news. The doctor's in the house. It's not me. It's not you. It's not this church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll touch you today, friend. Listen, one man is going to be able to experience God's grace out of all the people that were there to demonstrate God's power. But the Bible says, whosoever will make call, that calls upon the Lord will be saved. God wants everybody to be saved. So the, I want you to notice that the doctor was in the house. Second, I want you to notice the diseased. We've seen the doctor, but now notice the disease. So he comes now to these, these, these five porches that were filled with those daily who sat lame and broken. And people just kind of bring them there. If you've ever visited a nursing home before, and sadly some of you are still doing that, you'll see they kind of roll them out into the hall and kind of stage them for lunch. You'll see just all of these uh, elderly people that are there that wish they were somewhere else most of them. But that's where, that's where they are. That's where life's brought them. And there they just sit in these... these these wheelchairs, just waiting to go to the next appointment, the next check, and they're just all kind of around the nurse's station, just sitting there with all of these little spokes that go off down these halls. That's what would happen. Every day, the loved ones would bring these people to this place where there was just a man-made superstition. Nobody ever got healed. Nobody was ever made well. But, you know, best chance we got, might as well try it. And so they would just bring these people here Every single day. And the Bible says in verse number 5, there was one man who had been there for 38 years. The certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. He was impotent and lame. He couldn't walk. But Jesus gives a little more detail that we don't see uh, at the beginning. In verse number 14, after a miracle's already transpired in his life, Jesus says, see, you've been made well. 
Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. It seems to be that Jesus reveals to him that the reason he's been sick for these 38 years is because of sin in his life. God was using sin to try to cause him to turn and to see that he had a greater need in his life. And I share this often on Wednesday night, but I've got everybody here together. And I just want to seize this one moment. I'm not going to get off point, but it's, it's a truth. As disciples of Christ, I think we need to understand. When we have loved ones, neighbors, and friends who become sick, we want to see them made well. Because we, we love them like we love ourselves. But friend, I want to remind you, the Bible's teaching here. You hear me this morning. Oftentimes, the Bible teaches God allows people to become sick. Not always. But oftentimes, God allows people to become sick because of the sin in their life to try to hem them up, to cause them to see they're in a place beyond their touch where really, friend, the greatest need in their life is not the physical healing, but the spiritual healing. But in the church, what do we do? We just put them on the prayer list and pray for so-and-so, you know, because their gizzard's inflicted and we, we want them to have relief. When, listen, the greater question ought to be, are they saved? We want to put everybody's name that's sick on the prayer list, but the greater healing, friend, is not physical, it's spiritual. And that ought to be how we pray. That ought to be the question we ask. Pray for my neighbor, they're sick. Then the next thing out of our mouths as an omission Christian ought to be, are they saved? Do they know Jesus Christ? Is God, could God be using this? And could God be giving me an opportunity through their sickness to go and talk to them and say, hey, look, my church is praying for you. I'm praying for you that this sickness is going to pass. But I want to talk to you about a greater need that you have in your life, a sickness that medicine can't heal, and that's sin sickness. I pray that we'll grow as disciples, that that will be how we look at it. That'll be an opportunity that we seize, not to just to pray everybody back into a state of being well. And can I again remind you of this, friend? What, what right does anybody have that's not saved or living for the Lord to, for, for God to, to think that God would heal them so that they can just keep serving the devil? You've got a person that's saved and not living for Christ, and we want to pray that they'll have new health just so they can keep serving the devil. Why would God be obligated to heal anybody so that they can keep serving Satan and not him? I want to ask you that. God is not obligated to do that. But God's choosing here to extend mercy to somebody to demonstrate, friend, the greater thing that can happen is when someone is made spiritually whole. And so my prayer is that each of us will grow as on-mission Christians to look past the immediate physical need and see the greater spiritual need. Because I'm telling you this, friend, we can pray every, we can attempt to pray every lost person into physical health and standing, you know, to where, I mean, they're running marathons, but they'll still die and go to hell one day if they don't trust Jesus Christ. The greater need is always spiritual and so Jesus sees this man, and he says in verse number 14, he was sick because of sin. But there was hope for change. Look what the Bible says. He, he thought there was. You know, maybe somehow if he just gets thrown into the water, you know, that was his hope. But again, he was looking in all the wrong places. You know, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you're looking in all of the wrong places. Only Christ can heal your broken spiritual life. And unaltered this man... He was ultimately going to die and go to hell. And that's what Jesus looked past the physical need in Saul. 
You know, there may be some here today, you're saved, but you've entered a season of, of spiritual dryness. You once stood up and began to walk for the Lord, but you've turned back to serving the world. Christ isn't first. The world's priorities have taken over your, your life. Only Jesus, friend, can turn your life around and give you a fresh new beginning. The lame were hoping to work their way into the pool, hoping somehow they could change their direction. And you've tried every means you can, friend, to, to muster a new life for yourself spiritually. Some people, listen, I'm telling you, I've been, I've been in ministry long enough to realize this. I've shared it a lot on Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, don't share it a lot on Sunday mornings. The most miserable people you will ever meet in life are not lost people. They're not. They're Christians who are out of fellowship with God. They're in sin sickness. They, they try everything in the world. They'll read a book. They'll go to the doctor. They want their medicine changed. They'll try a new environment. Vacation. All these things. They'll want to talk it to death. They, want, they, just want, they want a new life. You know, they're they're tired, of, tired of feeling this way. You mean to talk to them, you know, and say, you know, well, how's your quiet time been? Well, I don't have a quiet time. You know, are you, is Christ first in your life? Well, I didn't come to talk about that. And they, they're even more mad. Friend, listen, as a backslid Christian, you're never going to find that joy that you once had that can only be found in God's salvation until you repent and experience God's reviving touch on your life. You're not going to find it anywhere else but through repentance and the new beginning in Jesus Christ. These were the diseased. It's what sin had done to them as lost people. And I'm telling you, the disease of sin can begin to attack your life again as a saved person if you turn it. You can't lose spiritual life, but you can lose your joy. And I want to tell you something else. You better listen to me. You can lose your testimony. It takes a long time to build a spiritual testimony, but you can lose it in a minute. And you'll say, oh, no, look, look what I'm gaining. I promise you, friend, what you always think you've won never outweighs what you lose. And that's your testimony and your spiritual influence in life. You lose it. And that happens to people's lives every single day. The disease of what sin does to us. And so these individuals, they, they needed a fresh start. Without Christ, no change. No salvation, no growth. But in Jesus Christ, there was change. John chapter 1, and verse number 4. John wrote of Jesus in the very beginning. He says, in Christ was life, and life was the light of men. It's the new life that all of these people around the pool needed. And it's the new life that everybody today needs. I listen to Christians talk, and it disgusts me to watch the news. We say it so often, but it's the truth. Every week I'm more astounded. Can you believe how far our country sunk just in one more week? The people try to explain it. We need a change. We need a new, new leader here, a new leader there. We need this change. We need a new judge here. Friend, I'm telling you, nothing ultimately will change unless Christ is at the center of it all. He is, he is the life that people need. He's the life that our country needs. He's the life that our world needs. Only in Jesus can we be freed from that disease. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. They were looking for healing in all the wrong places, and it could only be found in Jesus 
Christ. And I'm telling you, if you've never been saved, it's only through Christ you can experience life. If you're backslid today, you'll not find a new beginning except where you first found it, and that's in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. The diseased. Third, I want you to notice now the decision. You know, it's, it's easy to have a pity party and feel that no one knows what you're going through, right? It happens to everybody, doesn't it? You know, if it doesn't, you know, you just lied, and so you can repent of that um, this morning. But everybody has a pity party at some point point. thinks, nobody knows what I'm going through. Woe is me. You know, if you're a visitor, you probably don't know what this is, but our church family does. You know what this is right here? Huh? It's the world's smallest violin playing me a sad song. You know, woe, woe is me. I'm so pitiful. And we'll, we'll do that to where we become so self-focused that we think, you know, no one knows what I'm going through. Well, friend, I'll remind you, if you'll just lift your eyes, you never have to look very far to find out someone's going through a whole lot worse than you are. A whole lot worse. But even if you think, friend, that no one knows what you're going through, I want you to listen to me this morning. God always knows. He knows. Jesus knows everything that comes into your life. Everything that comes into your life, friend, flowed, passed through the hands of God. It was either in His perfect will or His permissive will. There is nothing that can touch you that doesn't pass through the hands of God. Colossians 3, 3, For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. So God sees and He knows everything. And He saw this man. Look what the Bible says in verse number 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, he saw this man. He saw the, the hardship and the challenge that he was going through. And not only that, he, he knew already that he had been in that condition a long time. He knew everything about his situation. You know, when the doctor comes in, you know, he already knows what the nurse wrote down. You know, when she comes in, plugs you up to all that stuff, runs the thermometer in your mouth, puts the thing on your finger, and she checks your blood pressure, and then lets... She, she, she writes all that down. You hear the doctor come by, and you'll, you know, they'll, I still don't know what all those little colored things are at the door, but they'll, they'll whack those things sideways, and then you'll hear your chart come out, and you'll hear the pages turn. Well, the doctor already knows a little bit, but he didn't know everything. So the doctor will come in and sit down, you know, well, well, tell me what's going on with you today. And it just depends on where you're at. And if you're at some places, they've got 15 minutes, and the office manager, they're going to push them out in just a second, so you better talk quick. But a lot of the doctors, you know, they, they, want, they want to know what's, what's going on with you. They really don't know. Friend, I want you to listen to me. Jesus knows everything. He knows every single thing about your life. He knows if you're lost or saved. If you're here today, He knows whether you've ever really been saved or not. He knows whether you're just religious but lost. He knows whether you're backslid. He knows whether you've got secret sin in your life that you think nobody knows about. He knows it all. He sees the, He knows whether you've already got a bad habit in your life, an addiction, or there's the beginning of one that's about to happen. He knows everything. You, you can hide stuff from your family. Boys, you can hide stuff from your wives. Ladies, you can hide stuff from your husband. Kids, you think you can hide stuff from your parents, but you can't hide anything from God. He sees all. He knows all. He, he saw this man's condition. He knew exactly how he was physically. But more than that, friend, he knew who he was spiritually. He knew the greater need that Israel had. This man represented Israel. But listen, they lay broke 
They lay absolutely crippled in religious activity apart from God. You know, they, they talked big things, but their heart was far from God. They represented all lost people. And so Jesus, Jesus saw him. He knew that no one could help him but him. And so he asked him a question. You know, to us it seems like, well, you know, duh. Jesus says, you know, do you want to be healed? Look, look what the Bible says right there in verse number 6. Do you want to be made well? So that's like, you know, you've shared with the doctor what's wrong with you. We'll just use, you know, something current. You know, doc, I've got this pain behind my eyes. And, you know, both nostrils are stopped up. My ears, I can't hear out of them. I'll try to do that, you know, and make them pop. Nothing's happening. And it's just a constant, well, you've got a sinus infection. That's what your problem is. And the doctor just says, okay, well, good luck with that. And he just heads right out the door. You're never going back to that guy. You want the doctor to say, well, do you, do you, want, to, do you want to be made well? Well, no doctor's going to ask you that, friend. You wouldn't have come to the doctor unless you wanted to be well. Doctors don't ask that. You, you came to the doctor's office, so it's already a given, friend, that you want to be made well. Stay with me this morning. Here are all these people that are laying around this pool. They want to be made well, and Jesus asks him, Do you want to be made well? But it's not this physical healing he's about to have, friend. It's, it's the spiritual healing. See, and there's some things, friend, it's that, that, that rest upon the man. He's got some decisions that he has to make. The same for us. You know, when the doctor says, well, here, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you a, a steroid five days, you know, and you're going to feel like you're on nerve pills when you take it until you get to the last one. And, you know, here's an antibiotic. You know, take these as prescribed. If you're not starting to feel better in three days, give me a call back and we'll try something else. Well, you've got a choice now. You've got a choice. Take the medicine or not. This man had some choices. He had some decisions that, that he, had, he had to make. Christ wasn't going to force him or make him. He simply extended grace and mercy and offered to heal him. But the man had some things to consider. Number one, he had to humble himself. He had to admit that he really needed to be healed. Friend, listen, hell's going to be full of people for, for one reason, for most of them. They never would admit their need to, to turn from sin and trust Jesus Christ. They thought they were good. They thought they were a good, solid person, good, good God-fearing person. And friend, you can never come to Christ until the Spirit of God draws you. And then listen to me, friend, you declare spiritual bankruptcy. And you admit that you have nothing to offer God. You have to humble yourself. And this man is going to have to humble himself and admit a need. There was something only God could do for him and heal him. And if you're going to be saved, you've got to admit your need. Only Jesus Christ can fix this. Religion, baptism, works, none of these things can deal with my sin sickness. It's, it's an act, a supernatural act of God. I have to admit my need, and that takes humility. But change was also going to have to take place. He's going to have a different life. Listen, every single day, this man showed up. He, he laid on his bed down here with all the other sick people. This was his life. This was his lifestyle. 
you know, it would seem to, to show by the other culture that we see demonstrated within the, the New Testament that he, he probably was a beggar as well. He was dependent upon others. He couldn't work. If he couldn't walk, he couldn't work. So he was dependent upon other people. If he was, had, if he was made well, there would have to be a total change in his life. He couldn't keep living the way that he had lived. Change would have to take place. Life would be different. That's the reason a lot of people won't get saved. I've had people tell me before, I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not giving up this. I shared the gospel with a fellow one time almost 20 years ago. Sat in his living room. He had a nickname. Everybody in the community knew him. I'm not going to share it because somebody will hear this. Now, I'm not trying to be mean to him, but I'm just telling you, everybody knew the guy. He showed up to our first church, just decided to come. I'll never forget, preached a message just like this, gave an invitation, watched him grab the back of the pew, tears coming down his face, and he never would move. I went to visit him the next week. I called his name, and I said, Why won't you be saved? And I saw it when I came into his house. On top of his refrigerator, friend, were just bottles of liquor. Every kind. It looked like an ABC store. He said, I'm not getting saved because I'm not giving up that. And he pointed to it. And friend, hell is full of millions of people that would not be saved because they would not give up. You fill in the blank for them. Whatever it was, alcohol, greed, an immoral relationship, an immoral lifestyle, pride, hatred, you name it. Whatever it was. But friend, if you come to Christ, you have to repent. Jesus said, Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you'll all perish. And repentance, friend, involves with you have to concur with God. The Bible says we're sinners. We're sinners. God said it, it's so. So we have to concur. We have to confess and say, God, this, listen, everybody's a sinner, but God, this is my sin. God, I've done this. You have to own it. This man had to say, this is my sickness. Not, not his, hers, hers, his, his. This is my sickness. You've got to admit your sin. And then, friend, you have to, you have to desire to change. Change direction. Say, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. And then so you turn to Christ. He had to humble himself. He, he, had, to, he had to have a change of direction. Say, I'm not going to live the way I'm going to live anymore. To, to be saved to grow from a spiritual state, being backslid too, friend. Listen, you, you, can't, you have to have change. If you've been saved and you don't want to live the way you've been living, you've got to have change. You can't keep going in the direction you're going. You're not going to have any change in your life. See, I, just, I want that newness I once had. I want, to, I want to feel like I did when I first got saved. Then start living for Christ the way you did when you got saved. Does that sound difficult to anybody? The Bible says the things of God are so simple that a fool or wayfaring man cannot err therein. But we want to complicate it. And people want to go to Christian psychologists and counselors and talk and talk and talk and talk and then talk it all again. Friend, when Jesus says to this man, do you want a new life? Well, then by faith, stand, rise, take up your bed, and walk. If you're tired of living the way you've been living as a child of God, 
turn back to Christ and put Him first place in your life. Nobody can help, friend, but Jesus. Look what the Bible says in verse number 7. He says, the sick man said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water stirred, but while I'm coming, another just steps in before me. He says, you still don't get it. Verse number 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Then say, go get in the water. Then say, join this class. Then say, sign this card. Jesus looked at this crippled, impotent man and said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. That was going to take faith in God's Word. He had to humble himself. He had the desire to have a change of direction. But then it took faith. It took faith. Habakkuk 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You have to have faith in God's Word. I mean, that's impossible. It's absolutely impossible this guy could stand and walk. Friend, nothing's impossible with God. It was going to take faith. To the Greek mind, it seems impossible. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, that anything could happen by a Jewish carpenter dying on a cross. It's it just absolute foolishness. But the Apostle Paul goes on to say, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. Again, it depends on what side of the cross you stand. But faith determines on which side you stand. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. And so get the picture, and I close. Stay with me. Here this man was, all of this moaning and groaning. Can you hear it? You've been to hospitals before. You've heard it. You've heard people moaning and groaning. They need their nurse. Just deep pain. You can hear all of this. The stench, the smell. Friend, there were no bedpans. Just absolute sickness. The smell was horrible. All of this need. And Jesus chooses to go to this one man in grace and says, do you want to be made well? He's got a choice to make. Keep living the way I'm living or humble myself and by faith do what Jesus says to do. And the Bible says, friend, verse 9, that immediately the man was made well, he took up his bed and he walked, and that day was the Sabbath. I want to demonstrate to you how all this happened. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 say this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. He says, by grace. By grace. And that's how salvation comes. It's all by grace. We don't deserve it. By grace. He says, rise. That's by grace. By grace, God offers this opportunity in your life. And if you've never been saved, listen to me this morning. God's message of amazing grace to you is this. Turn from your sin and rise. Stop living the broken life you've been living. He says, do you really want a new life? Then, then rise out of it. He says, it's by my grace I offer you that. Rise. Well, how does that happen? He says, through faith. Faith that Jesus died, that He rose again, and He's the only one, friend, that can give you new life. See, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Stop trying and start trusting by faith. For by grace, 
through faith. He says, through faith, take up. Now, the man wasn't well yet, friend. And Jesus said, look, take up your bed. You're not going to need it anymore. You don't, listen, you're not going to need a bed anymore. You're going to need a good pair of walking shoes. He says, because you're going to serve me. He says, by grace, through faith, unto good works. Jesus says, rise up and walk. Don't lay there. Get up and start walking. You've been saved for good works. He says, God's prepared a life for you. He didn't save you just to sit, church. He saved us to serve. Does this world need Jesus Christ? Yes or no? God has called us to be the hands and the feet of the gospel. Stop cursing the darkness and let's be a part of turning the light on. It's through Jesus Christ. That's what He calls us to do. And the Bible says in verse number 9 that immediately, not later, but immediately, the man was made well. He was by grace, through faith, but unto good works. The Bible says immediately. He stood up and he acted on this. And he walked. He, he went out. So much so, man, it got all the, the cold water committee stirred up. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were more concerned about Sabbath laws getting being broken than this man had a new life. And Jesus summed it all up in verse number 24. And I close with this. Christ spoke to these religious people that would know God if they met him in the road and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. I want to ask you, I want everybody to look at me right now. Don't mentally check out. This is where most purses start getting packed up, Bibles start getting closed. Listen, this is the most important part of the service is right now. Listen to me. I want to ask you a question. If you've never been saved, or you're backslidden sin today? I'll ask you a question. Do you want to be made well? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never been saved, friend, you need a healing that only Christ can give you. He purchased the price for it in his own body. But like this man, you have to be willing to humble yourself, turn from sin, and by faith trust God at his word that Jesus died for you, he rose again, and you want to invite him to come live in your heart and be Lord of your life. You have to choose this. It has to be your decision to do that this morning. If you've never been saved, I want to invite you to do that right now. Where you sit quietly, you know you need Christ, you know you need salvation, just like this man responded to the Lord, won't you do that? Quietly where you sit, you, you need to pray just like this. Say, oh God, forgive me, a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I turn from my sin to Christ. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord of my life. That's my decision today. Did you pray that prayer? Did you trust Christ to be Lord of your life? In just a moment... We're going to stand our feet. Now I'm going to invite you to be bold and to step out and to make your way forward. And I want to share with you what God wants to do next in your life. Is Jesus still first place in your life, child of God?
Does your life demonstrate that? Has there ever been a moment where you love Jesus more than you do right now? You need His healing touch in your life spiritually today. Why don't you pray like this? God, forgive me of where my priorities got all out of sorts. Lord, you're not first place anymore. God, I want a fresh start today. Just like the day that you saved me. God, fresh and anew, I turn from sin to you. I'm so thankful, God, I can't ever lose my spiritual life. But I've lost my joy. I've lost the joy of your salvation. I've lost my spiritual influence. God, I pray you'll restore to me the joy of my salvation as I put away this sin and I put Jesus where he rightfully belongs. And that's on the throne of my heart. That's my prayer. I want you to listen with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. It's going to be different this morning. It's going to be different. There's not going to be a hymn of invitation this morning. It's just going to be you standing quietly and the Spirit of God speaking to you. If you need to make a decision, would you not be bold? Christ was bold enough, friend, to die on an old rugged cross between heaven and hell that you might be saved. Would you not be bold to profess Christ before men today? These altars will be open for you to pray. If you need to make a personal response to Christ, I invite you to do that in just a moment. Father, I pray you'll help your church today. Father, I pray you'll draw men and women into your will. God, I pray there'll not be a coldness. But Father, I pray that in power, your spirit will speak to hearts and lives today. And many will be healed as they turn from sin and turn to the only place healing can be found. And that's at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, and amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet.